Hello, In Search of an Argument listeners. This is Jim Gentilly. The episode you are about to hear was recorded Wednesday, November 4th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. At that time, we did not yet have a confirmed result in the presidential election. I am recording this at approximately 1.15 Eastern Time on Saturday, November 7th. This uh, is going to be a little bit late in your feed today than we normally do it because we waited to record this. Uh, As of about an hour and a half ago, all of the major networks, including Fox News, including the Associated Press, has declared that Joe Biden has been elected president. I hope you enjoy the episode. I'm Leonard Nimoy. Join me for In Search of An Argument. Welcome to the podcast. This is Jim Gentilly. I'm in Silver Spring, Maryland. I'm in with my regular podcast partners, John Heights in Chicago, Illinois. Hi, Jim. Shelley Cummings in Indianapolis, Indiana, otherwise known as Naptown, and Peggy Bennett in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We are joined by my good friend and friend of the podcast, Beth Shannon, also in Silver Spring, Maryland, but an exceptional social distance. As in, she's in an entirely different building than I'm in. (laughs) We are here to talk about, we are recording this podcast at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Wednesday, November 4th, approximately 24 hours after most of the polls closed in the United States to talk about the presidential election. The status of things as we're recording this, which will obviously have changed some between now and when you 12 people are listening to this on Saturday or thereabouts, is that Joe Biden is very close to having clinched enough states, according to the projections, to have 270 electoral votes. According to Fox News, as of this hour, he has clinched they projected him to have clinched 264 electoral votes. He is ahead in the current count in the state of Nevada with six electoral votes. If he were to maintain that lead, and Fox News is correct in all their projections, he would have 270 Boom. electoral votes and be elected president. There are still counting votes in Alaska, Georgia, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania as we speak. It appears very unlikely as we speak, that the Democrats are going to have control of the United States Senate. It appears almost certain they will retain control of the House of Representatives. So what do you think that means? Well, let's let's talk about that. Let me ask a question first before we answer that question, which is, before we get into what it all means, I'd like to know from each of my partners and from Beth, what did you do last night? Did you watch? What did you? Which networks did you watch? How did you follow the returns? How late did you stay up? What was your day? What was your evening like last night? So one by one, who wants to answer that question? I have a different right. question. <laughs> I got it. Answer my question. Jim, I'll answer your question. So yeah. I watched last night. I I I had MSNBC on my computer. I was toggling between that and the New York Times, and I had the 538 Live blog. I was reading along with it on the side. And the thing, I uh, probably went to bed 
I go to bed early. I probably went to bed around 10 o'clock, but then I got up five times last night because <laughs> I have a baby who needs to be, a pacifier needs to be put in his mouth. Uh, so I got up and each time I got up, I was like, I'm not going to check the phone. I'm not going to check the phone. And then I checked the phone and I went to the New York Times site. <laughs> okay, Peg, what did you do last night? I watched an episode of Queen's Gamut and um, <laughs> when it was done, I looked at some stuff and I said, I can't take Porn? it. And I went to bed. <laughs> nope. Some stuff on uh, MSNBC. No, not MSNBC. Uh, PBS because I don't have cable. Blood so and Flesh? I watched No, no. That. You were watching uh, Judy Woodruff and yeah. uh, Pete Flesh and I like her. Guys. I like her. Yeah, uh, I do too. And I then I went to bed and lights out. I read my book for about 20 minutes and I had lights out by like 9.25. Wow. Wow. That's really early. So when you woke up this morning, were you surprised, dismayed, whatever? When you listen to one single piece of news or look at the internet until my coworker leaned over. I went to work today, so I would be busy and not tempted. And he leaned over and said, they just called Wisconsin for Biden. That was at 3.30. That was the first piece of news I heard. I resisted all day and I'm still wow. like, I'm super agitated based on what you just said. In your Sorry, intro. I didn't mean to super agitate you. Yeah, that's why I didn't want to do this episode. I told you I didn't <laughs> want to do it this soon, and nobody cares what I want. Peg, I think we spent a great deal of time at this podcast trying to figure out what you want, but that's another episode. It's true, but I mean, I didn't want to do it. It's too soon. It's too soon. Are you relieved it's at all that the state of Michigan has now been called for Joe Biden? It's still too soon, but yes, I am okay. relieved, okay. but it's too all soon. Right. Beth, what about you? Or Shelly, what about you? Either one of you. Beth, you can go first. Beth, you can go okay, first. Okay, so I went up to Philadelphia yesterday to do one more push on getting out the vote. So I drove. Oh, you're so good. I Yeah, we can talk about that, the whole thing yet, uh, that I saw yesterday. It was great, but it was eye-opening. Um, so I drove hmm. back last night and did not listen to the news. I Jim will appreciate this. I listened to the Rolling Stones. And then I came home. Because you can't always get what you want, Beth. That's an important lesson to learn. So <laughs> I came home and I decided that I could not watch the news. I had PBS on for a minute and then switched over and watched something on Netflix and went to bed and you know, saw the front, the headline on the Washington Post, the nation divided, and then basically did not pay attention to the news at all today. And then friends would ping me and tell me what was going on because I was like, I just can't. So Beth, we had similar experiences. What time did you go to bed? So I went to bed, I think 1130. Oh, a lot Which later. Generally, later well, that's you. generally when I go to bed. So that's not unusual. What'd you watch on Netflix? I'm saving that for the recommendation. Ah, Ooh, nice. Teaser. Kelly, what about you? Early on in the night, I kept switching channels between CBS, NBC, CNN, just to kind of feel like I was involved. And then I lost interest. And I watched a PBS show called, a French show called The Crimson River, which was fascinating. But because it was in French, I had to actually read it and watch it, you know, but it helped me bone up on my French because I might leave the country. 
I, um, <laughs> so that's what I did <laughs> until around 11-ish. I went up to bed, turned the news on again to just get a quick update of what was going on. And I knew that this wouldn't be finished because all along Pennsylvania is saying, oh, it's going to take till Friday. And I'm like, get your ass together. Your act together. Sorry. <clears throat> because or you know, either it's not, one it's ass not, in gear act together yeah all of that it's not like this was a surprise oh my gosh the election is we have to prepare so i just yeah anyway that is how i spent last night and this morning i didn't pick up my phone because i knew it wasn't going to be done and it's still not done and it's just like annoying i have a text chain with my three children and my ex-wife and fiona who's been on the podcast, of course. And I texted them around noon or one o'clock yesterday that I was no dark. information or inform, uh, news for till 7.30 that night. Going black. So, so I, that I watched, I made pasta sauce and uh, watched uh, Flesh and Blood while I was making pasta sauce. And then nice. at 7.30, I got my computer out and I opened up a tab for the 538 Live blog. And for the New York Times and for the Fox News website, because Fox News actually has a very highly thought of election results desk, and they are, tend to be very aggressive about their calls. Plus, I also think that in terms of the reception of the results, what Fox News says may be as important as what anybody else says. Yeah, what is it, a third of America gets their news from those I'm just saying. Jerks. So, and then on the television, I had switched back a little bit between MSNBC, but I mostly stayed on CNN because the indefatigable John King spent most of the night Who's just he? go. He's the guy who does their board and their numbers. And oh. uh, my perception was that CNN, as compared to, say, MSNBC, and I really didn't watch any of the other networks at all, focus almost completely on numbers, which maybe is not everybody's cup of tea, as opposed to having a lot of talking heads on. They had some on, but I wasn't really interested in talking heads. I was interested in seeing numbers. And that's and of course that's why I have the websites open as well. But um I I glanced at uh I, I glanced at Fox and I did also glance I and maybe it was more than a glance at Twitter. And I have to admit I kind of for the first time grasping what Twitter means in all this. So that was interesting. Uh, Shelly, what was your question? My she question, <laughs> yes, I do. My question was, um, I noticed how Facebook seems to have a much more involved updating process for the election. So they have this like special little tab and it will break it down by state. Although it has, um, it says it was just updated at 8.04, but it has Biden with 243 electoral votes and Donald Trump with 214. It still has Wisconsin outstanding. Right. There are differences in some of the, of the projections. For example, Fox and the Associated Press called Arizona for Biden, but none of the other networks have. Fox actually called Biden, Arizona for Biden last night, relatively early. And there was a big on-air to-do on Fox News, which I didn't see, but was reported on the Washington Post, where they actually called in Aaron Mishkin, who's the head of the Fox uh, election desk, to defend that call. And he said, 
that's what the data shows. And everything, although the other, the Associated Press has joined Fox in making that call, and that generally tends to be the gold standard for these calls. But um, everything that is being said about where the outstanding votes are in Arizona would seem to support the idea that that Biden is probably in pretty good shape. Trump would essentially probably have to win about two thirds of the remaining ballots that are out. And a substantial chunk of those ballots out are from Maricopa County, which is the largest jurisdiction population wise in the state of Arizona. And that is a jurisdiction that to this point, Biden has had a six point lead in. So Trump, whatever MSNBC had in Arizona, when they cut to Arizona, the guy with the the hot guy with the mask, who was like standing outside at some Trump (laughs) rally, (laughs) Uh, he had a hot, he was such a hot guy, but he had a mask on. I was like, take the mask off, dude. (laughs) Which which, uh, network news people don't you think are hot? Yeah, exactly. Well, this tells you how often I watch it. Peggy has her hand up. So if you want to jump in, Peg, I give you permission to cut me off. But let me just finish. I was going to say this guy in MSNBC, I was, was the first time I was watching it and I, uh, listening to this guy, and he was like rambling off, like what exactly is going on in Arizona. And I was, I, I, I turned to my husband and I was like, Ted, this guy really knows his shit. <laughs> like, I mean, it was like he rambled in like one nonstop sentence without missing a beat. Every like, like to to the granular level of like you know specific subgroups of of uh, interest groups within certain counties, and it was fascinating. I was like, okay, this is pretty cool, actually. So I that was my highlight actually of the evening when they cut to this guy because he was hot, but also because he was knowledgeable. <laughs> so as a result of my, I should add that as a result of being on my Peggy text, had a question though, Jim. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, go ahead, Peg. I didn't think we're doing the hands up this time. But I don't think we're okay. doing the hands up. But it that's wasn't right. a, it's not a question, but it's a comment on what Jim just talked about uh, with the predictions and the argument and the whatnot. Really, 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 for my own mental health, wish that from this point forward and maybe four years ago, <laughs> we just said, we'll let you know what happens on Friday. And none of all this drama with the this just predicted uh, 85% of the votes in predicted for this predicted for that. I can't take it. It's too much drama. We thrive on all that. <laughs> Let's just wait until everybody knows what the results are and announce it instead of the play-by-play. So you see I our culture it. as being one where people are I, just going to say, okay, I can wait and find out what's going on later. I'm yes, not, I hate it. It's is, like the you Oscars. You see that it's essentially a very American thing to do, right? Yeah, we announce the Oscars. Mm-hmm. We announce the Emmys. We announce the whatever. We don't... Yes, but we... We count the votes. Millions of people sit there and watch the Emmys and speculate about them and wait until it's announced. They don't just wait and say, we'll read about it in the newspapers tomorrow. Obviously, some people do, but most yeah, people don't. Yeah, a lot do of people that. do. And we don't. Hey, and it's not drama. And it's you not 24 the narrative. It's not 24 7 on the TV. And it doesn't. I don't know. I just, I just want to know who the winner is. And that's it. <laughs> it's 24 7 for one day, maybe two, maybe three this year. Maybe yeah, three this year. Okay. Two but still, months. it's not like it's forever. We're going to have all you, these. You go home every day from work. You have a glass of wine and you watch a drama. One of the reasons that one of the reasons that it's taking longer this year is it's close, closer certainly than I anticipated it was going to be. But also because many states are not a comp, not, not 
used to dealing with the level of early and mail vote that was received this year. In some states, they're not allowed to even begin processing mail ballots till after the polls close, and that's what delays uh, the counting. So, yeah, and then we have other states that aren't allowed to count them if they didn't get them in time. It just it should be the same across the board. It makes no well, sense to me. Well, that would require a federal law, but, which is one of the things <laughs> that there may be some bipartisan support. There may be some bipartisan support for doing some of those things as long as they're not too controversial. Well, I mean, in the abstract, they don't particularly favor anybody, you know, having the deadline be the day of the election or the day after the election doesn't particularly favor one group or another. And in fact, traditionally, up until relatively recently, absentee ballots were generally considered to favor Republicans. It's only recently the Democrats have started getting an advantage of that. And you'll notice that when Trump attacked mail ballots, a lot of Republican politicians like Mitch McConnell pushed back on him because they know that there's been a lot of states and a lot of them are not like, for example, Arizona has had a lot of mail ballots for a long time. Trump That's mails a, in his own ballot. Yes, of course he does. I mean, well, he's only <laughs> pissed about ballots in like Pennsylvania, in Nevada. It's interesting that he apparently Wisconsin. is trying to stop the vote counting in Michigan, even though he's behind in the vote counting in Michigan, which would seem to be counterintuitively a bad idea if you're Trump. He's a toddler. That's all we need to know. <laughs> he is a he also said he wanted to uh, That's generous. to do a recount in Wisconsin also. He was going to well, sue it, Michigan. To be fair, recounts are not unheard of in the history of American politics. They're but is he going to do it for every state he loses in? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think we're going to be if you, talking if about this forever. If the candidate asks for a recount and the recount doesn't change the result, the candidate has to pay the cost of the recount. Jill Stein, oh. even though That's asked for a recount in Wisconsin in 2016 and ended up paying like $2.5 million for the cost of the recount. So I don't know whether they're really going to do that or not. I guess they could. The, a margin of 20,000 votes, well, it's less than 1% and entitles the candidate to a recount. It's very, very unusual that a recount overturns that changes that many votes. Typically, if it's a few hundred votes, it might happen. But 20,000 votes, that would be extraordinary. I want to hear about Beth's adventure. Yeah, I do too. I was going to just say that. Go ahead. Okay. So, well, first on Saturday, I went up to Harrisburg and did the labor walk in the morning and then went over to the PA Dems in the afternoon and did canvassing for them. And then on Monday, I got an email where they said that they really needed more volunteers up in Philly. And so I thought, well, I can't sit and not do something and then blame myself. So not that I'm holding the entire election on my <laughs> volunteerism, but just I needed to feel like I was doing something. So yeah. I went up there and met up with a friend. And I have to say the PA Dems were super organized. So that was great. They were ready for us. Um, even called when we got through our first list, we were in like North, Northeast Philly. So some very underserved communities. And halfway through our second list in this one neighborhood, they called and said, all right, stop doing that. Go to this other site and they'll give you a new list. And the person I was with spoke Spanish. So they sent us to a predominantly Hispanic neighborhood. 
So I saw, I mean, and we talked about this on the last podcast I was on, how I had lived overseas and the poverty I saw in these neighborhoods blew my mind. It, it like yeah. I'm knocking on yeah. doors of buildings that look abandoned and people are opening the doors. Yeah. And so God. that was, and the people, I mean, the fact that people did open their doors shocked yeah. me. I don't open my door when somebody knocks on it. And I live in the suburbs and these people are opening their doors. Almost all of them had voted already. A lot of them proudly showed us their I voted stickers. Some said they you know, were planning to go to the polls later. And I would sort of joke and say, hey, I drove up from D.C. to make sure you voted today. People thanked us. They blessed us for coming and checking on them. I mean, so for me, it was really uplifting and I'm really glad I did it. But I was also it's kind of it's going to sound bizarre unless you've worked overseas. But it almost reminded me of Cambodia again in the sense that everything that Cambodian people have been through, they're still somehow pleasant and not quite optimistic, but friendly. They're not, you'd think they'd be way more guarded because of their history. And here, like, I'm clearly not from the communities I was canvassing. And people were thanking us. They were pleasant to us. I never felt unsafe. And I'm not saying poor communities make you feel unsafe, but it just, I was clearly somebody coming in from the outside, knocking on your door, asking if you had voted. And looking around these neighborhoods, like the system has let them down for generations. Mm -hmm. The fact that they actually still believe in voting was mm. amazing to me. <laughs> yeah. And they thought their vote mattered and they figured out how to go do it. So like I drove home listening to the Rolling Stones really feeling good. Like, oh my gosh, this is working. And then I saw, you know, that we weren't going to know for several days. And that's when I went into my, okay, can I go to Canada? Can I go to Ireland? Where can I go? <laughs> Half the country's racist. I don't want to be here anymore. So I've had a really roller coaster day. And like Peggy, I checked in with Jim earlier today, hoping this was going to be canceled because I wasn't really sure I could talk about it. But here I am for the good of the team. Well, we're glad you're here, Beth, because that very was great. Glad. That was a very, very good story. And I think that's an important story to share, to be honest with you. That's really yeah, good that you're here. Totally. To share I agree. Story. So, John, what were you asking earlier? Something like, what does it all mean or something? Well, I'm more interested in just hearing what we I mean, I, I had a saturation point with the techno technical stuff and a little bit like Peggy was saying, the, you know, the charts and the percentages and the, I just, I, I kind of got it. I took a nosedive into it, but then pretty quickly I was like, okay, I'm bored with this. And now I just, and now I'm just like, all right. So, you know, this, there's <laughs> McConnell staying in charge of the Senate. Biden looks like he's going to get in the White House. Like, you know, the Democrats have the the house what what does it mean and what and and it just I, I i i mean i know what it meant for me so i'm just curious what it you know like where where are well, you what guys? does it mean for you what you go first what does it mean for well, you my take my, i mean my takeaway are i the question i've been asking myself for the last 24 hours nonstop since this morning i guess the 12 hours it has been who are these people who are voting for trump like what like what what is it and i i i I've, I've talked to plenty of friends who are republicans and i'm trying to kind of wrap my head around it and i've broken it down to four different things Group one are the people who just vote Republican reflexively the way my family votes Democratic reflexively. In some cases, not even knowing, like they're, cult they're cultural Republicans. They wouldn't even know, some cases they don't even know who the, the candidate is. And so they, they just pay no attention to politics and they just vote. The second group are people who that I heard about today 
uh, in Florida, and I believe this is an increasing number of people who have 401ks or have something, some kind of retirement plan in the stock market. The Republicans increase the stock market, and they're, that's all they care about. They don't care about whether the country's racist. They don't care about whether we are actually creating opportunities for the next generation of Americans. I mean, all they care about is my stock's going up. I'm happy. And th that includes a very close family member who doesn't make a lot of money, but has a stock 401k for his son, who's not even out of college. And he's like, he's like, oh, you know, it, it went down last month and went up. And I'm thinking, this kid's 19. <laughs> I mean, I, and I, and I think if, I, I, and I think there are a lot of people like that. I think people are like, I think people are attached to this, this idea of just feel, what they feel like they have in terms of a retirement because so few people have pensions anymore. And then the third group is, I think, just the traditional, you know, maybe the traditional Republicans who just are like, they're free marketers. Like they genuinely believe the free market solves problems. But I mean, how does that deal from the first group of Republicans? The first, the, well, because the first, the, 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 the third ones are, the, well, one is cultural. Like it's cultural to vote Republican, meaning okay. like all my right. family that's does, my, everybody in my neighborhood does. That's mm -hmm. just what we do. We're Republicans. Okay, that's right, it. Right, we right, vote right, for Republican. Right. I get you. As opposed to people who like have thought about it and they're like, no, like the, you know, the magic wand or whatever it's called, the invisible hand or whatever it is. Yeah, and, yeah. and then the last group are the ones that I want to know what percentage of the people who voted for Trump are the one, are why they voted for it. And I wish somebody could tell me this, which is the last one is kind of like the evil one that I think is uniquely you mean Trump. like the racist, the racist, boys, populist, the nationalist, yeah, like yeah, yeah. anti yeah, anti immigrant, yeah. anti foreigner. You know, you know, wants to break everything down. Like, and and I wonder what percentage of the people who voted for him or vote for him in both elections are fit into that last group, which to me is the most insidious. And I and I because the other ones, I you know, I mean, whatever those have always existed, and I you know, I have I have take issue with them in different ways, but. That, that's those are, but that last one really bothers me, and I've been thinking about it a lot, and I, I don't, I, I don't know. I and I started researching it and couldn't find satisfying answers. I'm on the Pew site, like researching surveys, and I couldn't find anything. So I kind of gave up. But that's where my head has been. Is like, who are these people voting for Trump? I think that's a good list. I will say that it seems clear that no matter how what the final outcome is, that one thing you could say about this election is that the Republican Party did better than Donald Trump so that, you, you know, even if by something Donald Trump pulls this out, the Republican Party as a whole did better than Donald Trump. The senatorial candidates were generally running ahead of Donald Trump in their votes, uh, not in every case, but in most cases. So it is probably true. And this is probably something that I, among other people, underestimated, is that a lot of people whether they're in category one, two, or three, or maybe they're on all four categories, I don't know, are pretty much going to vote Republican, just like a lot of people are going to vote Democratic. And that's become much more true in this country than it had been, say, in the second half of the 20th century. It's become much more true that there's a lot of people who are just going to vote for the Republican. There's probably a lot of people in that group that don't really aren't really particularly fond of Trump personally, which is some of them may have strayed a little bit, a few of them at least, but that's why this Republican senatorial candidates did so well in a lot of places because, you know, they're, they're either, for whatever reason, culturally, economically, ideologically, they, uh, there are people that, this is a country that's pretty evenly divided between uh, the two parties. Anybody else want to, tackle this what does it mean 
subject? Well, I mean, like everyone, I've been thinking about this nonstop all day. And, you know, I, I've had conversations with several people, including my neighbors who they choose optimism and choose like, you know, these people voted for Trump the last time they voted for Trump. Now they've always been here, but Biden's won or, you know, hopefully will win. And I'm still stuck. I'm still stuck on everything we've seen out of this guy for the last four years and that half the freaking country voted for him. And I get the, you know, stock portfolio thing, but I get how it impacts the people that are important to me. You know, Don, you're married to Ted. I mean, there's my friend mm-hmm. Tim is married and has a, adopted a child with his husband. It's, I, I just, you know, like that, you know, there's all those slogans like, you know, quality, it's not pie. It's not like if my piece is bigger, you know, it's all this stuff of how do people feel so threatened? How, like, and what has Trump done to improve their lives? And how are we, the other, in their minds, so dangerous? And so that's where I'm kind of stuck. And I acknowledge I work and live in a bubble. Like, my whole neighborhood is filled with Biden signs. <laughs> I, you know, I going to Pennsylvania was eye-opening in that sense of, oh, right, let me go back to my bubble now. And that's not helpful either. So. How do we figure this out? I mean, because the only way Biden is going to succeed is if we figure out how to build some bridges. But if I can't get past the anger I feel and the disappointment, then how do I help do the work? Yeah. So I think it'd be interesting to hear from Peggy and Shelley because Peggy clearly lives in a swing state and she lives in... (laughs) The part of Michigan that is considered the swing part of the swing state, Grand Rapids and Kent County are considered the swing, sort of the swing part of the swing state. And she's a swinger. That's what I was going to say. And there you go. (laughs) Whereas, and our friend Shelly lives in a pretty red state. I live in a totally red state that doesn't count for anything. Well, it counts for 11 electoral votes, Shelley. (laughs) But I mean, by the time my votes, our, our state's counted. Yeah, I got that. But I mean, a lot of people, you must know a lot of people. I mean, mathematically, you must know a lot of people that vote for Trump. I don't. Uh, my whole neighborhood has Biden-Harris signs. So and do you, I mean, is there the like city, certain neighborhoods that are like confirmed for the Democrats around you? Because there are a lot of people around there that are voting for Trump, obviously. I know. The city has, uh, I, I say when I drive down the streets, in different streets, I see more Biden-Harris signs and bumper stickers than I saw Trump. But when I go out of Indianapolis area and more into the farming rural communities, there are these major, huge billboards of, of Trump. So that's the only thing that I can think of is that the people voting for Biden-Harris are more, I mean, urban and the rural are more Trump and most of Indiana is rural. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't so, know. That's guess. what I was going to say is that I think, yeah, there there are those that with their increasing retirement funds that are Trump voters. But I also think, I mean, we just had, there was just something in the Washington Post maybe yesterday that was, no, not yesterday, uh, Monday, that 
somebody, a group of people, Trump people in Grand Rapids just went into a Jewish cemetery and wrote Trump with spray paint and MAGA all over Jewish gravestones. And that's just horrifying. So to listen to Beth talking about, it's just so hard to understand why people support him when that's what his supporters do, or they want to kidnap the governor and he doesn't condone and he doesn't condemn it. It's just, it's, and just the litany goes on and on and on of things. Uh, It just is mind boggling to me. So then when you talk to people, so I know some people who say things, well, I like his policies. So what? Because he's about bringing jobs back to America. He's about keeping the tax rate down, you know, whatever. I just can't imagine that that stuff is more important than having a, you know, I'm never going to say politicians are all great and amazing people, but he is just bad news. So to have a liar, to have a racist, to have somebody who condones violence, to have somebody who has assaulted women, just whatever, you name it, he's got the whole little gamut against him. And maybe there are others that have it too. I mean, I you know, Bill Clinton, he's no shining star. Mother Teresa. So, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Even Thank Mother you. Teresa's been Mother heavily Teresa, criticized get... by Christopher Hitchens, your man. <laughs> so. I know, I know. But Peg, you realize that you're biased because you're in league with those you're in league with those doctors who are exaggerating COVID to make more money. You know, that's oh, why you're biased against. Yeah, that. right, right. Well, so what's interesting is that so my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, they live in Ada, Michigan. Okay. okay. So little uh, right outside of Grand Rapids. It's where Amway is. So that's the DeVosses uh-huh. and the Van Andels. And when my brother-in-law was voting in person yesterday, there was the Washington, no, the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times there and said that for the last seven elections, that precinct voted predominantly for the candidate who won. There you go. I told you. I told you Kent uh-huh. County was the bellwether county in the state of Michigan. So, you know. Yeah. So that's so interesting that this little podunk precinct in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Ada, could have such a... Anyway, it's just the whole thing is depressing to me. I find it very depressing. So I've been depressed. You'll be less depressed if Biden does win, though, right? Yeah, but I'm still depressed for exactly what Beth said. Me too. Yeah. It's so it's too close. Yeah, the it's too close. But a close it win is better a... than a close loss. Let me just say right now. Yeah, I know, so. but it still no, I get sucks. that. But it, again, it still sucks, and it exactly right, and it just means that even if you said two thirds of the Trump voters were Republicans or four hundred one kers or whatever you want to call them still means another third of what are we talking about like 66 67 million people i think it's probably higher i think it's probably but this i mean i have no basis for this it's just instinctive with me and maybe i'm on the optimistic side i think it's more like about 80% of the people who vote for trump are relatively 
normal, decent people that if you met them on the street and didn't talk politics with them, you would think that they were nice, friendly people. That's my, that's my, I mean, I have no, I know, my and, gut. but well, then I why? Don't know. Then why? That's why I think they're not looking at that stuff you're talking about, Peg. They're, they're just not. They're just, they're, it's, I mean, it's the, you know, lesser of two evils, lesser of 50 evils, whatever you want to call it. I mean, they're just, they're just like choosing to ignore it and saying, look, this is, I'm, I mean, look, there are plenty of people I know in the Chicago area who are Republican Catholics who are like, I'm a one issue voter. Right. It's abortion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that, and that's, and that's it. And they, they don't, and they do no analysis beyond that. And I've, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, well, I okay. Mean, we're, so we're, I, I read this, I read, I read this thing that said, okay, what'd you do with your stimulus that you got? Right. And I can't remember what the percentage of it was. And it's supposed to stimulate the economy that some huge percentage, which are all these. So I'm, I'm just focused on these uneducated white males in rural America, whether it's Michigan or Indiana or the South, whatever. They spend it on electronics that they got from China. It makes no sense. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I mean, I really love driving around my town, which my town is super, (laughs) this is a wealthy town and I, you know, whatever. But I, I saw the occasional Catholic for Biden, Republican for Biden. And I was like, okay, yay. Some reasonable people who know that, Trump's not their candidate. Granted, they don't want to vote for a Democrat, but they don't want to vote for for Trump. It's just I almost feel like Trump's not a Republican. He's just the devil. Well, Trump is certainly at the far extreme in terms of his behavior. He his actual governing policies, with a few exceptions, are with a few, and then there are a few exceptions, are basically, you know, he cut taxes, he's tried to slash a lot of regulations, he's done a lot of things, he's appointed conservatives to the court, he's done, a, he followed a playbook that the conservatives, the Republicans have been, you know, following for years. And, you know, from the point of view, let's say your, your idea of a good Republican is Mitch McConnell. Now, I don't know Mitch McConnell, but I suspect part of him now that he has gotten all these conservative judges approved, part of him is probably saying, you know, it'll be a little bit more relaxing to have to deal with Joe Biden for the next four years than to deal with Trump. Because Trump's not particularly easy to deal with if you're Mitch McConnell, because he's inconsistent and he changes his mind all the time and he's crazy and he yells at you and all this other stuff. And Biden, I mean, he served in the Senate with Joe Biden for 24 years. They know each other. They, I'm not saying they're close friends or anything. But, you know, McConnell probably figures, I know how to deal with Biden. I know what to expect from him, blah, blah, blah. Now, McConnell's never going to say that publicly. Maybe he doesn't feel that way, but I bet part of him does feel that way. But if you're a McConnell Republican, let's say, I mean, the way the most for the most part, what, uh, what Trump did or what was accomplished, maybe Trump doesn't even deserve the credit for it while he was in office is the stuff you want to get done. You you got your taxes lowered, you got regulations cut, and you got a bunch of conservatives appointed on the court. You know, and that's pretty... And I mean, again, I don't think I would probably be on the other... I'm on the other side of pretty much all of those issues, but I don't think that somebody who's in favor of lower taxes, conservative judges, and, you know, less regulation is necessarily the devil. 
I mean, you know, I know people that feel that way. I don't think that they're bad people. I, you know, right. I disagree with right. them. But, but there are obviously the components of it, the racism, the callousness, the just, you know, the childishness, the petulance of it goes yeah. well beyond any like policy stuff. Shelly had her hand up. Yeah. And I, I was going to say, I mean, at one time, correct me if I'm wrong, because all of you, most of you will know this better than I, but uh, Trump was a Democrat for a while in his in his early, early. He's and an so opportunist. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I see him as what Jim said. He did a lot of things by the playbook, by the, you know, Republican playbook, conservative playbook. I'm not justifying anything of what he did because he's vulgar and vain and all of those things. But I think he was like following what was expected of him and what he set out to do, which is, you know, what some of them always try to do. But I got off on a tangent. What I really wanted to say was the most, all of these infographic, info, yeah, infographics that have been shared about red state, blue state, the most, uh, the one that lightened my mood last night was from a friend in Chicago that put up a the U.S. that's of an electoral map. If Biden wins, every state containing area codes were ludicrous claimed to have whores. <laughs> 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 so there's a big ludicrous song that goes through all of the states, but it was pretty hilarious. <laughs> I love it. At about an hour and a half ago, when I last checked the national popular vote, Joe Biden was winning the national popular vote by about 3.3 million. It'll probably be bigger than that before they're finished. At the same time, Joe Biden's margin in the popular vote in the state of California was almost exactly the same, meaning that if you took away California, the popular vote in the country would have essentially been tied at that point. It doesn't mean anything because of course the electoral college is what counts but it's just interesting you know there is you know the idea that we all move to california and sponsor the collect right california right. Yeah. severs from the union and then you know yeah. we all live in paradise you know in california <laughs> sorry i just had to add some comedic humor until, yes. no, until no california drops in the ocean right that's <laughs> yes. mud, or gets burned. burned up by fires and mudslides <laughs> Well, once we're once California is a sovereign state, they'll be able to adopt reasonable carbon emission policies that may reduce some of the fires. Oh, problem. I thought you were going to say they were going to put up a big breakwater offshore. To just yeah, they're going to build a wall. John, that's going to build a wall. Idea, yes. <laughs> to keep the to keep said, the that'll land probably be land as effective in. as Trump's wall. Let me just say right now. I will say that the friends I've had who are um, I've talked to, I've talked to several friends today, and it's uh, gay friends around the world. Uh, Americans around the world. And it's funny how everyone is th the people's identities that feel attacked from this are that that's the theme. The pattern I'm hearing with everybody is, and some of them are feeling attacked because they're gay, but it's interesting how uh, three of my friends, I've talked to three Jewish friends who are gay, all of whom said, you know, I feel more attacked as a Jew than as a gay man. <laughs> and it's, it's it's exactly what you're saying, Peggy. There is no, you know, there it's it is, it is just, it is so disheartening to look at that New York Times list of states and see Trump up by eight, Trump up by eleven, and all these states and going, all these states are filled with these people. And you just and you just 
and I just realized how much of a bubble I live in, and I just I can't I I, I how how completely and utterly disconnected I am to the to the majority of the of America. Well, what happens if you and Ted move to that farm and you start living among? I know, isn't it crazy? Yeah. Well, you know, we, when we talked about moving to to rural a more rural area, we. Did, we didn't really play it out, but we've gone back to visit a few times when we visited for weekends and saw family out there and Ted's family and realized that like there are, I realized that every child that I met, all the teenagers I met and younger, they all, their social lives all revolved around churches. And mm-hmm. I just was like, I just haven't thought about church or it being, or having church be a part of my, like, or the center of my social community. I just haven't considered it. It's just like, it's, it wasn't even on my mind. And then I thought to myself, oh my God, if we had moved there, we, that's like what we would have to do just to like survive. Sort of it's all that's there. There's no other way to socialize. And things like that are just like these wake up calls. I would, it would have been horrifying. I think, I don't know. I'm sure we would have gotten by, but it's weird. Well, let's not beat a dead horse. Uh, hopefully <laughs> uh, by the time people are listening to this podcast, they will be relieved or whatever. Hopefully Shall there's an answer. answer. there will be an answer i think we'll probably my guess is that arizona will be called tonight and nevada will be called tomorrow and then uh georgia may be called tomorrow and uh north carolina will probably be called tomorrow and then pennsylvania probably be called on friday so assuming the assuming the democrat the the republicans control the senate and it's you know Biden wins. What, what is this aid? What's the next CARES CARES Act going to be I like? Mean, who knows? Who knows what it's going to be? I mean, it, I mean, know. what's the vision? How? What's the plan? What's the plan for the getting plan out of this? Plan will this be to try. I mean, very <laughs> hard time. I mean, this is a long discussion to start at the forty seventh minute of the episode, John. So I will say that we should probably talk in about that in a episode. But basically, you're going to, you know, you have you have probably have the single best possible person the Democrats could have positioned to try to get anything accomplished, which is yeah, you have somebody who's, true. like I said, he served for 24 years in the Senate. He's always Biden. been in the middle. Yeah. Susan Collins, who is still going to be in the Senate, served 12 years that. in the Senate with Joe Biden. She, yeah. I don't know what her reaction to this experience will be. Maybe she'll be chastened. Maybe she'll be angry at the Democrats. Who knows? She's never had a close election like this. So I don't know how that will affect her. You have a senator, Republican senator from Alaska named Lisa Murkowski, who's shown some implica- some indications of being willing to do stuff. You know, if it it may make a big difference, whether it's 5149 or 5048, and that we probably won't know, or 5248, we probably won't know till the Georgia, well, we definitely won't know till the Georgia runoff election Which in is December. January 8th or January 5th? I thought no, it was January, January 5th. Definitely it is January. January. Okay. We won't even know that till uh, January. So there you go. We'll uh, we'll see. So bear so in nobody's mind. Nobody's getting any, nobody's getting, you guys aren't getting any relief money. Nobody's getting help until, until. <laughs> that that may not be the so case. Stupid. It may be that if you're Mitch McConnell and, you know, once it's clear that Biden He's is going to be. the worst. Why did okay. he win again? Because he's popular in the state of Kentucky. He's so he's loaded. He he's the richest guy in the Senate, right? He's pretty old. Yeah. Um, Biden's not that young. They're all old. He's the know. richest he's senator, the, isn't he's he? He's the worst, too. They're all the worst. They're so old. But anyway, what I was going to say is if you're McConnell, <laughs> you may think you can make a better deal before the new president comes in 
And there may be some impetus for doing that. I don't know. I mean, part of the issue is, you know, what, who feels like there's going to be a package, I think, you know, there's, there were negotiations. The question is going to be who, I mean, it's obviously not going to be everything that the Democrats want because they don't have complete control. Fine. They just need to do something. Nobody right. well, does I mean, anything. there were proposals and discussions, but it's very difficult. Part of the problem is, and this is a boring discussion, but it's very difficult to negotiate with Donald Trump because Donald Trump doesn't necessarily stick to what he's saying. And so you can't trust him. And that creates problems with negotiations. And also because Donald Trump doesn't really consult with the leadership of his own party in the Senate. So that makes it very difficult to negotiate. So, again, goes back to what I was saying earlier. There's probably at least a part of Mitch McConnell, if if not all of Mitch McConnell or not the most of Mitch McConnell, that inside that he's never going to admit is probably happier because it's going to be yeah, easier yeah, yeah, yeah. to deal with sure. Joe Biden on just a purely, yeah, sure, sure. Just a purely sane, mechanical level. Sane. Yeah. All right. Let's do recommendations. Let's try to figure out something that's going to make people happy. I'll go first. <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Shelly. I have two recommendations. Two. Two for the price of one. Two. I highly recommend buying and drinking Jameson cold brew. It's whiskey and coffee. <laughs> Do you buy them separately and merge no, them? No, it's a, it's a bottle of Jameson. I don't know that you can buy it so on in other Amazon. Words, they solve the problem of being <laughs> yes. of someone being too drunk to mix the whiskey and the coffee. They mix or, it for you so that you don't have to worry about yes. mixing it again. Or, well, or if you're in dire straits, you just open it up right there in the liquor store, guzzle one, and then buy another one. Uh, to that end, I see that during the pandemic, <laughs> liquor store sales have been up 14% nationally, by the way. Yes, I bet. Yes, so it's I delicious. Yes, so is Peggy Sue. It tastes like oak and like and dark chocolate. It's delicious. It's really good over ice, or you can add it to your coffee. What time we have of day to do that episode have of the that. podcast uh, where we talk about we we've talked about doing an episode of the podcast where we talk about people drinking stories and we have to do that. If Beth will come on for that, that might be actually interesting. So John, it is good any time of the day if you <laughs> don't. Is have, it a morning? Is it a well, is it a brunch drink? Is it an after dinner drink and a aperitif? If you mix coffee, it in your coffee, um, you I just mean, want to say aperitif. Yes, exactly. I tend to like it in between the hours of 12 a.m. and 12 p.m. <laughs> um, so that's my first recommendation. When you, do you my, put this on your online dating profile when you're talking about? No, okay. no, no. I keep that for in-person conversations. <laughs> and just as just let me jump in, Shell, before you get to your second one. At the bottom of this uh, and the show notes, there will be a link to Amazon. You can buy this. Can, it's available uh, on Amazon. Can you buy we it get a on cut. Amazon? Well, I don't alcohol? know. We'll find out. If there's, if there's a, can you not buy it? Does alcohol not sell Amazon? You would. You would. Alcohol. You would. Alcohol, None of us know. would have to worry about a 401k if you sold me on. <laughs> <laughs> so then my second recommendation is a great book called The Great Alone by Kristen Hannon. And it is about this family that moves to Alaska 
I don't think I've recommended this before. No. You have not. Okay, good. Um, and <laughs> you, you can just ask Jim. He actually pays attention. <laughs> well, actually, the rest of us. bring up the I'm... list and read it so that I can okay. check okay. people on this. Because so, I know. write it down, but I didn't put a date by it. So that's why you I was know, nervous. Shelley, I there is a that. list on our website of all the previous recommendations. So you that, could check The link that. to that is on the show, <laughs> in the show notes. Okay. So it's a really, really good book. Um, and it's based on a family that moves to Alaska and it's um, very, very challenging for them. It's just, it's a really good book. I'm not going to give you any more details than that, but those are my two recommendations. Okay. Anybody else want to go next? I'll go next. So my escape during plague times is to find dark European detective series on Netflix. <laughs> And I just finished the three Wall seasons Lander. of. Oh, I watched that a long time yeah, ago. I mean, Kenneth, but but they've redone it now with somebody else. No, right? no, no, not yeah. Young Wallander. Oh, that's right. Young Wallander. Wallander. Okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, but is Border Town, which is a Finnish ah. detective uh, ah. series, and very, very good. And there's crime in Finland dark and weird well because they're close to russia so you have a lot of the russian influence and yeah very good and that's what i was watching last night instead of the news so i was very sad to hit the last episode last night Um, but uh, i tell you this wasn't like a happy happy thing to watch but i guess seeing somebody else's no you have to because Back to Shelley's point earlier about subtitles, you have to, it's all in Finnish. So you have to read and stay completely focused to make sure you're not missing anything. And the stories kind of overlap and characters show up again later. So it's a really good distraction during times like this because you have to be fully present with your Finnish detective and not all the other outside noise. And by the way, John, I don't know if Finland is part of Scandinavia or not technically, but if you've ever read, the Scandinavian countries are replete with very dark detective literature, which would make you think that they are all like rotting cesspools (laughs) and hell to live in. Yeah, and they're they're like weird and kinky crimes. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know what those countries are like, but if you go by their detective fiction, they are not happy people. They are not happy people. The police are not happy. The criminals are not happy. Nobody's happy in any of those. For sure. For sure. I mean, the girl with the dragon tattoo is not a lot of laughs. No, no, it is not. (laughs) No, neither is Wallander. Right. No, I know. So anyway, John, what are you recommending this week? Uh, So as everyone, those who have been listening to the podcast a while know, I have been trying desperately to get everyone to have on this podcast to have sufficient bandwidth so we can begin recording a video version of the podcast as we record the audio and and post on YouTube. And part of the reason I want to do that is because I just think we're all so damn good looking. Um, uh, no, but I really, I just think John it's, means everyone I, except me, of course. There's but, a lot uh, of young people. Jim, you look great when you comb your hair. The, the, um, the, uh, a big if, John. The, I, I'm well aware. I didn't, I didn't downplay it. You but don't know the, this, but I actually got my hair cut recently, so. And he wow. looks very good. Wow. Okay, see? So this is all the more reason why this is relevant. Um, well, we never see and each part other of, anymore. We should do, I, I agree. We, I would love to do a Zoom thing. So part of the reason that I wanted part of the reason I want to do this is because I am uh, or part of the, one of the drags on it beyond bandwidth issues has been uh, the fact that I'm I, I have pointed out to um, uh, and maybe people have gotten better during the pandemic with being more on more Zoom calls, but a lot of 
my dear co-hosts when they are on a video call sometimes have weird shots of like uh their of like you know the, their foreheads or their chins <laughs> or like there's a bright light behind them so you only see them in silhouette or you see you know i don't know and and i've real i've come to realize that the room that one is in when they are shooting is just fascinating and i'm enjoying this all these seeing all these i'm enjoying for anything i'm watching video of people at home looking at what room they're in and what the room is like as well and i found a totally stupid but fun twitter handle called room raider or uh, called room raider and you can find it on twitter it's a room it's just a you know a twitter handle and they rate the rooms of every room that they come across on any show or anybody who does a uh, a broadcast or a youtube one or anything or else two, John, room raider I think if you just Google it, Room Raider Twitter, it'll come right up. But it's I, I, I think it's I think it's one word. But it's it's great because it, it goes they rate every room and they have some great rooms. And it just made, you know, it's uh, uh it's something that I think everybody should take a look at and get amused by. So Shelly's in a lot more Zoom calls than I am and Beth is too. But I noticed because I was on a Zoom call with uh someone this past week that the, I guess the thing now is you have your own like background you create for your zoom call so it's not just your room it's like like i've noticed that more and more people seem to be doing that there's some super cool backgrounds but i have a shitty work computer that won't allow me to do those backgrounds yeah, you gotta have a fast processor you gotta have a new machine yeah. for those to work the virtual anyway, reality stuff i don't know beth has that been your experience too oh i definitely see it on my zoom calls but I just use my, you know. Well, you have background. your dogs that you know. Exactly, can be used and that's for... I got actually got complimented on my last Zoom call I about finally, how cute my dogs were. So I finally was allowed to meet Beth's dogs. Allowed, allowed. <laughs> the two most important people in Beth's life, and I mean, when I say that, I am like way down on the list. But Beth finally allowed me to meet her two dogs, Daisy and Kinky, just the other day. So I felt. I actually I wore a dress shirt for the occasion just in case <laughs> I didn't I wanted to make a good impression because you know if they didn't like me I'm not getting back invited back to Beth's house anytime. Soon. Well, that is true. I mean, they they basically like everyone, so if they ever growled <laughs> or had a negative reaction, I would be very concerned. It's like when the Tribbles react to a Klingon. That's how you know a Klingons in the oh, room boy. when they do that. So a little Star Trek talk for you guys. Okay, Peg, what is your recommendation? My recommendation is going to bed early on election night. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. So basically, you think like the votes should just be counted and then they come out Friday afternoon like like they do when they're picking a new pope. They just release the smoke and they say, have a new president. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. I don't need all this drama. Well, as you point out, you don't have to watch any of it if you don't want to. Right, right. I've done pretty well this year. Except when Jim Jim. makes you do a podcast when you're not making you do a podcast. (laughs) I'm so, I'm so bad. So send your complaints about me to the website so that John can publish them. Uh, I'm going to recommend an actual movie, which I saw in an actual movie theater called it's really good, by the way. It's called A Call to Spy, and it is based on a true story of women who were sent into occupied France during World War II to help uh, maintain contact between 
the British, and then later the Americans, and the French resistance. And uh, it's, a, it's a terrific story. It's got a little bit of everything in it. And uh, it's, you know, it's not, you know, it doesn't glamorize what was going on there. And uh, it uh, and it's really uh, it's really compelling and it's a good watch. I think it is on Netflix or Amazon Prime if you want to watch it, if you don't want to go to a movie theater and watch it. But I did actually get to see it in a movie theater and it's good. Uh, so I strongly recommend it to any of you. And that's our show. Who's taking us home? Peggy Sue. She went to bed early. She can't do it. (laughs) No. Here I am. Want to really thank, special thanks to Beth for joining us again, especially during this stressful episode where you, like me, were maybe not ready to discuss things. So we really appreciate you joining us and sharing your experience with us. Thanks to our listeners. Thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to everybody who buys anything on Amazon that we have recommended because I think we get something, some kickback or something. And (laughs) Jim will tell you, you're not supposed to say kickback. Yes, kickback is probably not the right way. We uh, would love to get your uh, constructive criticism your recommendations, your voice memos, anything, anything you guys want to say, anything you want us to talk about, please do it on Apple, iTunes, Stitcher. We actually have on our website now a list of all of the different places where you can get us, or at least a lot of them on our website. You our can listeners go could go to our website. We want to thank Justin for his fabulous editing. We want to thank Ted for our theme music. I thought that we were going to get some feedback from our actual oh, listeners forgot. this time, but we've run out of time, so we're going to send. We're going to push that back to our next episode, which is in a fortnight, and in a week. In a week, it's just been great. It'll be being a here week. with all of you. Because <laughs> so, you, you were so enthusiastic during the, <laughs> during the podcast. You how clear you were enthusiastic about doing this episode. It's so great it's that true. it's over. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in and just supporting us and being here with us. Yeah. Well, thanks and for inviting me us, back. Peg. <laughs> oh, back Thank- any time. No, yes, this was fa- fun, and this actually was good to be able to actually process some more stuff. So oh, thank good. you, guys. See, yeah, good. Here, here. Podcast as therapy, Peg. Boom. Okay, bye, everybody. Bye. 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 bye.